Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. I don't, I don't know about you. I, I'm it, uh, different than the last couple weeks. I think all of a sudden I find myself in the Christmas spirit. Do you ever have that happen? I got a little blindsided by it this week, more than I kind of expected. Uh, I think in part, like we've, we've been uh, decorating at our house. And I don't know how many of you know my wife, Rhonda, but she is like incredibly gifted when it comes to taking things and making them look beautiful. I've been her 30 year project and uh, you win some, you lose some baby. And, uh, but I think that's helped. I like, I get to live in a magazine spread for December and, uh, and it's really cool. And then I was doing some online shopping yesterday and getting some different things. And I was, I was buying something for a friend and I said to myself, well, I want one of those. And so I put two in the cart and uh, all of a sudden I'm in the Christmas spirit and uh, so excited to buy that. But I think this is why they call it the most wonderful time of the year, don't they? And uh, you know that great hymn of the church, right? It's the most wonderful, you know that one? Yeah, I'd give you a little Andy Williams, but uh, I don't think you want it bad enough. So, uh, but it is, it's the most wonderful time of the year for all the reasons that we talked about. But let's also be honest that with all that wonder and with all that excitement and the gift giving and the decorating and the fun food and all that stuff also comes a level of emotion that's higher than any other time of the year. And it hits us in so many different ways. And I would say that the most wonderful time of the year is also that's the most vulnerable time of the year. <laughs> that for so many of us, and these are the conversations that I've been having with friends and talking with some people who go, I love Christmas. Like, I love everything about it. But I also know <laughs> that it comes with a lot of challenges, complications, just emotionally, it's a season of time where we're probably more vulnerable to some things than we are in other times of the year. Now, the reality is, for some of you, this, this message isn't that timely. It might not even be that applicable. Some of you have no emotion or feeling whatsoever. True. And, uh, and if that's you, then we'll, we'll get you with another sermon here in the next couple of weeks. But for many of us, Whatever a normal day or a normal week or a normal month feels like, that all gets kind of amped up, amplified, expanded. It grows in this Christmas season. And I think there's things that we are all vulnerable to in this season that might be different from other times of the year. Let, let me just throw four your way maybe to think about a little bit. One of those things is I think we're all vulnerable to pressure and this pressure comes to us in the Christmas season <clears throat> in kind of a unique way other times of the year. There is a constant time pressure, it feels like, to kind of get things done. When I say there's two weeks until Christmas, some of you just freaked out, right? Some of you are like, oh good, I got 13 days until I have to shop. That's a whole nother story. Right, but there's still that pressure, let alone, I was talking with some young families who were talking about that pressure on Christmas day to be multiple places all within a 24 hour period. And everybody thinks you're cutting them short. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right, there's that pressure that comes during that season. It's the pressure from the people you interact with. So many of us have pressure because we feel like we gotta get all the traditions in or somehow Jesus isn't gonna be born, right? You know how that, 
goes, and then you're adding new people to your old traditions, which is sometimes kind of a tricky thing to walk through. Some of you, there's a pressure that comes in this season just because your family's fun, but you also put the fun in dysfunctional, right? <laughs> and with that, you have to navigate all those things that come in this season. So some of what we're vulnerable to is pressure. Now look, on top of that then, and some of what kind of overflows from that is we're vulnerable to fear. There's a fear that comes in this season. And it's interesting, this Christmas season, as I've been interacting with people, the thing I've heard more lately has been, what if I don't get Christmas right? What if I don't make the most out of it? What, what if somehow I, I mess this up? And that's just kind of this, this basic thought that doesn't have to do with maybe anxiety that increases in this season or depression that increases in this season. And in the busyness and the hustle and all the lights, the reality is for some of us, there can be a, an underlying overwhelming pressure that can turn into fear in our lives during this season. Another side of that that comes to some of us is just regret, that we're vulnerable to looking and going, ah, I wish things were different. I wish things weren't like this. For some of us, it's, it's wishing that things were like they once were. And for some of us, it's wishing that things were different than what they are. And for whatever reason, that disappointment, that frustration, maybe even you call it grief or loss, seems to mark with regret the Christmas season. And all of this, let's just be honest, all of this is just a part of life, isn't it? We're vulnerable in this season because life itself gets a little crazy. That's, that might be the fourth thing to consider when we look at this because it's a lot of chaos in this season if you're just honest. Shopping becomes much more of a survival sport than it usually is. And there's a chaos that can come that we, we talk about the hustle and bustle, but it can be real. And then what if you're traveling? And what if you know there might be conflicts? And what if you're prone to get in some discussions you wish around the dinner table you didn't have to have? And all of that's tied up into gift giving and doing and saying all the right things. This is just a season of time when emotions can run really high and we can be vulnerable to everything that life just sends our way. To the point that studies have been done, it, it can actually affect your physical health. They did some research on cardiac mortality, like the number of people that have heart issues, even life-threatening heart issues, and that number of people affected by life-threatening heart issues is always on an increase in December and January. And they said, well, look, how, how much of this is connected to the holiday season, Christmas and New Year's? And one of the things that studies have shown is that there does seem to be a link that those twin holidays, that season of time and the pressure that comes with it can have an effect on our physical bodies to the point that as simple as sometimes people go, well, I'm gonna ignore my symptoms because I'm in the middle of the holidays or I'm dealing with this extra stress or sometimes I'm just dealing with heartbreak that physically affects my body's heart in this season of time. So the reality is it's the most wonderful time of the year. Why is it? Luke chapter two, verse six tells us this is why it's the most wonderful time of the year. While they were there, who's that? Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem for the census, Luke tells us. The time came for the baby to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This story was never to be about us stressing out. (laughs) And yet it's so much of what so many of us experience in this season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It can also be the most vulnerable time of the year. So what do we do? I wanna use kind of one message in this story to kind of be our springboard to look at a bigger thing that happens. If you've ever looked at a nativity set, raise your hand if you've ever looked at a nativity set. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? You got Mary and Joseph, you got the baby. And then depending on how you set it up, kind of over to one side, you've got the shepherds. And that's the story we're gonna look at today. Luke chapter two, the story of the shepherds, the first ones to hear the announcement that the baby had been born. And then they go, to visit the Christ child. We're gonna talk about the shepherds today. And and I wanna look at the last thing. It's kind of a a song, it's a hymn that the shepherds heard the angels sing. Luke chapter two, verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. We think of this as just kind of a normal choir. It was more like an army. When it uses language like the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Today, I wanna talk about peace because the angel choir at the first Christmas presentation busted out a song and the theme of it was peace. And in the midst of our vulnerability, God wants you to know peace this Christmas season. So what I wanna look at is four ways of finding peace this Christmas, four ways that we can talk about in this most vulnerable time of the year, how we can find peace this Christmas. And and let's just walk through the story of the shepherds and look at these four things. Here's the first one, number one, we're gonna talk about peace under pressure. Number one, let's talk about peace under pressure. And you, you might think that the shepherds had like the perfect life, right? Just kind of lazy, hanging out outside, just kind of watching their animals. There's a whole lot more to it than that. Let's, let's go to their story. Luke chapter two, verse eight says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And uh, there's a few things there that we, we think the shepherds have it easy. They probably lived with an incredible amount of pressure. Let's talk about this from a couple of reasons. One, shepherds were not by any means the highest level of society. In fact, they were humble. They were probably poor. They probably weren't, you know, when I think shepherds, when I I go through the Bible storybook, you always see the green rolling hills and the happy little sheep, right? (laughs) But I've been to that part of the world and they're not green rolling hills. It's more rugged landscape. Think, Think more Death Valley than Ireland. And in that place, you have to care for those sheep. You have to work to find any place for them even to graze. You have to look out for wild animals and even wild people who would rob them to be out there watching these sheep at night. There was a lot of pressure that came with that on top of the social pressure that most people despise shepherds. They kind of looked down at them as a, as a lower class that was just there to kind of serve them and take care of those animals and religiously for the most part, they were excluded from religious life because their schedule of being out with the sheep and then being around the sheep, things that would have made them ritually unclean, they missed out on the regular rhythms and patterns of a spiritual life of a practicing Jew. And so these guys, 
didn't necessarily have an easy life. Plus, they're doing some lousy shift work, right? <laughs> right, it's, it's 24 hours. Bob, you, you watch the sheep for a while and I'll take a nap. And then I'll get up and you can take a nap and I'll watch the sheep for a while. And they had this, and most of the, many of the shepherds were named Bob. You might not have known that, but that's just, put that, you might wanna put that in your notes. You might hear other pastors say things, but that's just. So uh, there's a lot going on in this story that there's a pressure that these guys feel. And yet it's on this night that they trade their pressure for God's peace. And you might feel a lot of pressure, especially in this season. Expectations that come from family, from friends, you, you feel it as a child, you feel it as a spouse, you feel it as a parent. And many times the reason we feel pressure is because it has something to do with our identity. Just like these shepherds, and the way people looked at them and perceived them, how does, how does your perception of your identity somehow affect this season for you? Who you think you are, who you question yourself to be, what other people say about you, the expectations they put on you. In these seasons, when we are wrestling with our own identity, it's important for us to find our purpose and our meaning in ourselves in Christ Jesus because that's what brings us peace. Just, just stop and think about it for a moment. What's today? Today when we're in this service, it's December 11th, right? So what do we got, two weeks till Christmas? In the next two weeks, where are you gonna feel pressure? Maybe even a different or a more weighted pressure than you would have felt maybe a couple of months ago. It comes with this season and when that pressure comes, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna respond? The Bible tells us this about peace. Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, says that God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Somewhere when that pressure comes, instead of feeling the pressure cooker of that moment, what if you put your trust in God and know that even in that moment, he's working something out. I don't know what it is that might challenge your identity or might stress you out or might bring that pressure in this season, but when it comes, and maybe even now, as you're looking two weeks out into the Christmas season and you know what some of those things might be, what if you said to yourself, God, when that pressure comes, I'm gonna choose to keep my mind steadfast, I'm gonna choose to trust in you so that even when that pressure comes, I've opened up the opportunity for you to bring perfect peace because you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Does that make sense? So even now, think about those things and realize that God, even in the pressure, is working something out. Now look, scholars go back and forth, and there's, there's no Bible and verse on this, uh, chapter and verse in the Bible on this. It's kind of a little bit of speculation, but personally, I, I, I like this thought, that in that part of the world, the fields outside of Bethlehem, which would have been to the east of Jerusalem. To get to Bethlehem, you're only talking a few miles from Jerusalem, if, just to kind of picture that if you're not familiar with the geography of that world. That in those fields east of Jerusalem, heading towards Bethlehem, many of those that took care of the livestock out there in that season of time would have been raising sheep that would then eventually be taken into Jerusalem and those sheep would then be used in the temple for sacrifice. 
that it's possible that these shepherds who were out there, who were the very first ones to hear the story that Jesus had been born, the very first ones to hear glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, the very first ones to get the message may also be the ones who are out there caring for the sheep that will eventually make their way to the temple so that they can be sacrificed to pay for other people's sins. Can you imagine then that the angel says to them, the news I'm going to give you is gonna show you that what your work is doing is being fulfilled by the one who wants to bring you peace. And so I don't know what the pressure is that you feel right now in the work that you're doing. I don't know the pressure you feel as a student. And I don't know what seems to be a burden for you on the job. And I don't know what family pressure you're walking through or even what's going on in your own brain right now. But just know the pressure you're feeling is something that God wants to use to show you that he's accomplishing his purpose through you. If you'll trust him, keep your mind steadfast on him and let him bring you peace in this season because he will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is on him. We find peace under pressure, especially in this season, which takes us to the second thing that we wanna look at. Number two, not just peace under pressure, but peace over fear that what we see happen in this story is that God is able to bring peace even over fear. I mean, you just think about this. These guys are out there, they're just doing their job, right? Night after night, they're watching the sheep, somebody's snoozing while somebody else is watching for wild animals and wild people and just wanting to protect the flock from wandering off and all this kind of stuff. And then this happens, Luke chapter nine, or two verse nine says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them where you see this word glory in this story, we'll see it in a few more verses. It's really talking about this, this idea of this kind of a bright light, this incredible sense, but it's the presence of God himself. So this bright presence of God, so it's not just like spotlights, it's this overwhelming in every way sensory experience of the glory of God that shone around them and they were terrified. Do you think so? Could you imagine seeing that? Look, I... I had an experience when I was in Bible college, my freshman year, where I was sure that I had seen an angel. You might think this is kind of weird, but I was, I was fast asleep in my bed one night, and the way the room was laid out, my bed was kind of back in the corner, kind of tucked into the corner of the room, and if I sat up in bed, I would look right out the, the door. The door was right there in front of me. And in the middle of the night, all of a sudden I sensed something was going on and I shot up in bed. That door just opened wide and this bright light came shining in and there was a figure standing right there in the middle and I sat up in bed and I grabbed my glasses to see what it was. I thought, I'm seeing an angel, but it was my RA. It was just my RA. <laughs> and he had come to tell us that the power had gone out. And because the power was out, the emergency lighting was right outside our door and that bright light on the battery opera was shining right into my eyes. And he came in and said, guys, and this is like before you had cell phones, this is before, we, we, used, to, we used to have a hamster that ran on a wheel just to power our room. And uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones. And he's like, he was like, guys, if you have an electric alarm clock, find some other way to get up because you still have to go to class. And then he slammed the door. That was no angel. <laughs> but it freaked me out. Like I can still picture that dude standing right there in the doorway today. Can you imagine this? that bright light just shining into them. But the angel said to them, 
do not be afraid. This is, this is standard biblical operating procedure. Whenever you see an angel show up, whenever there's a messenger from God that shows up, the first response is for people to freak out. Can you imagine? And then they always say, fear not, right? Isn't that always the, do not be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He says, look, I know there's a lot here to be afraid of, but you know what I want you to do? I want you to trade out your fear for joy and let joy come into your life in this season that you trust me and not only will that peace help us under pressure, but that peace can come in over fear in our lives, sometimes in a way that doesn't make sense, but he brings that in and he fills us with joy. Any of you ever watched a movie more than once? Anybody? There's a movie that you've seen more than once? All right, how about this? Maybe this is a little more out there, but <clears throat> any of you ever like watch a game, basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is, you watch a game and your team's in the game and then your team wins and later you go back and watch the game again. Anybody ever done that? You watch, you watch the same game a second time. And here's what happens. When you watch the movie the first time, all you know is that the bad guy's in trouble. When you watch the game the first time, all you know is it seems like you're down an insurmountable amount of points at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But you already know that the good guy is gonna get rescued. You already know that your team's gonna win. You didn't know that the first time you watched it, but you knew it the second time. And so because of that, the first time you watched it, you were on the edge of your seat. You were biting your fingernails. You were stressed out. You were thinking about saying words that Jesus would not be happy with. That's all happening. But the second time you watched it, you sat back and enjoyed it because you knew the bad guy is not gonna win. The good guy is gonna come out on top. And you know that your team is not gonna lose, that there's gonna be a miraculous comeback. And you rest in watching that because there's a joy because you know how it's going to end. Now, you don't know that the first time around. The first time around, you just feel the fear. You just know the anxiety. You just know that the depression's real. You just know that you don't see any answers. But I've read this book, and I know God's faithful, and I can look back on a lot of tense seasons in my life that I was biting my nails when it happened, but I sit back now and I give him praise with joy because I know he's faithful. And so the next time fear comes knocking, and I know this is easier said than done. I know this is preacher talk on a Sunday morning, but I also know it works if you trust him. That the next time fear comes knocking to say, God, I know how this story ends. And I know in the end, you're gonna fill me with joy. So I ask you to bring me peace over this fear so I can rejoice in the good news that you always win in the end. How do you do that? Paul says this, Philippians chapter four, verse six, this is what he says to us. Do not be anxious about anything. I used to read that and think that he was scolding me for when I'm nervous. I used to read that and think there's something wrong with me because I get anxious. He's not saying something's wrong with you. He's saying you're normal. Don't we all get anxious? 
Doesn't it come our way? He says, but hey, the next time it comes, instead of being anxious in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Because the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You ever had that? There's been times when I've had peace and it made no sense. There's been times when I've felt peaceful about a situation that was anything but peaceful, but I knew that that peace wasn't just because I was clueless. I might've been, thought I'd say it before you did, but it wasn't just because I was clueless. It was because God brought me a peace that trends all understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is real because there's a good chance in the next two weeks, fear comes knocking on your door. I heard somebody use a term this week that I'd never heard before. They said, I have Christmas guilt because there's things I wish I could do that I can't. There's things that happened in the past that won't happen this year. So because of that, I have some anxiety, I have some stress, it's fear that comes, I have this Christmas guilt. And usually when people say those kinds of things, it's directed back to either issues with your time or your money. And money can be an issue, can it? PNC Bank, every year produces what they call the CPI. It's the Christmas price index. And what they do is they take, do you, do you know that holiday favorite, the 12 days of Christmas? Is there anybody for which that's not a favorite? Because <laughs> I'm one of them. Yeah, I'm done with the first partridge, right? But that song, right, you know, you sing it, they price out what it would cost if you would buy those things for your true love. If you just buy one of each of those things, a partridge and work all the way through, it would cost $45,523. If you were to buy the multiples, like if you actually bought not just one swan, but seven swans of swimming, it'd be $197,071. Put that on your Christmas list. And the priciest part, the, the things that are the most expensive are the swans. If you're gonna get not just any swan, but a swan of swimming, <laughs> each, each one is $13,000. But the good news is that the price of swans has stayed steady since last year. Where it's gonna get you, the one you didn't see coming was the five golden rings. Each ring is $1,245, which as many of you know, is now 39% up from what it was in 2021. If you've been pricing five golden rings. It's crazy when you think about that. That's probably not your Christmas list. But there may be something where you just say, I don't have what it takes. I can't do it. And the pressure of that, the anxiety, the, the fear, and we're not even talking about some of the challenges that come to us seasonally or personally, even in areas of mental health, come to us in these times. I'm not even talking about the fact that you got the Christmas season, but you're looking at 2023 and going, I don't know what's ahead. And I don't know what to do. And I don't know how this is gonna work out. And God, I'm not sure what's next. We took some time on Wednesday night in our first Wednesday service this, this last week to pray through Isaiah 9, 6. And this passage of scripture 
that is just so powerful. It's a prophecy about Jesus that he's gonna come. And it says, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And we look at Christmas and we just see that little baby and Isaiah says, oh no, 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 he's not just a baby. The government will be on his shoulders. He's a king, he's royalty, he all, has all power. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. And I've always read that and I thought, well, that just means he's really good at psychotherapy, right? Is that what you've ever thought? No, you know what that means? Wonderful counselor. Wonderful means supernatural and miraculous. And counselor means the one who will come and lead us. That's our Holy Spirit who supernaturally comes and can be with us in our fear. He's the mighty God without any peer. He's the everlasting father. He is the prince of what? <laughs> peace. And he can bring that peace over your fear in this season which is important for some of us to unpack when it comes to the third one. Here, here's the third one. Not only peace under pressure, not only peace over fear, but peace instead of regret. Peace instead of regret. Because for some of us, that idea of regret about the past for whatever reason can so mark this season. Go back to the story, uh, Luke chapter two, verse 11. This is what the angel says to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Interesting designations of, of who Jesus would be. He's called a savior. He's called the Messiah. He's called the Lord. All those titles just in that one sentence and then down here, you find out he's a baby. And what he's trying to show us here is some really significant things about Jesus. One, that he's the savior. That means he's the one who's come to save us and to give us forgiveness and to give us freedom and to, to keep us from our sin and from death. He's the one who's come to rescue us and to know that he's not just some random savior, he's also the Messiah. That word Messiah is the same as the word Christ. It means the anointed one. It's the one that Isaiah said would come. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's not just some random dude who said he's the savior. He's the one who God said is the savior. And he's also the Lord, which means he comes with all power. He comes with all authority. He's the only one that can come and do what he says he's come to do. And he's come to save you and to set us free. So what's, what's your regret? Like, where do you look back and go, I wish things were different. I wish it wasn't like this. Those first few lines of that wonderful song that the, the team sang for us just a few moments ago talk about the fact that for some of us, things change and there's loss. And those losses, whether it's a person or a lifestyle or, or a thing or whatever it might be, grief can come in this season kind of more than any other. I was having a conversation with a friend and they said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Christmas because this is the first normal Christmas I've had since 2019. They said 2019 was normal and then 2020 was just so weird in the pandemic and 2021 just wasn't the same. People here and there and all this stuff. And they said, this year, 2022, is the first normal Christmas we've had in three years, but it won't be the same because so-and-so is no longer with us. 
And it's, it's gonna be so different. And you say, how, how do I find peace when I feel so much loss? And we haven't even talked about sin. We haven't even talked about the regrets that can be tied to the things that you wish hadn't been done to you or the things you wish hadn't been done. And you say, Chad, it's easy to say, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's easy for you to say that God can just bring peace in the midst of that regret, but you don't know what I drag into Christmas with me. Anybody remember uh, a couple weeks back, we told a story about how the TSA agents found in a checked suitcase, a cat that was in the suitcase. Does anybody remember this? And how they let the cat out of the bag. Does anybody remember when we talked about that? So, so I thought, good, we've put that out there. All the world will now know because everybody listens to Calvary Church online. I thought everybody will know now not to do that except just recently, Madison, Wisconsin, they were walking through the security checkpoint and you know how you put your bags on the belt before you can go get to your gate. There was a backpack going through and the guy, his name was also Bob, who was running the scanner, calls over to Ralph and says, Ralph, come over here and, and take a look at this. And he says, why? He says, well, I, I think there's a dog in this backpack. And Ralph said to him, you're barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> so, so they check and absolutely... There's a dog in this backpack, a little dog stuffed in a backpack. That had to be rough, wouldn't it? <laughs> to have that happen. And so they called the, the lady whose backpack it was. I'm so sorry. They called the lady whose backpack it was. And she's like, well, I didn't know I did anything wrong. Like very sincere. She thought that's how you take a dog when you travel. That is not how you do that. You don't just put Rover in a backpack. So we've covered these things, right? Everybody good for your holiday traveling? Just don't stuff anything in a bag that's breathing. Children, dogs, cats, none of that. None of that. But it's interesting because some of you say, well, you have no idea what baggage I bring into Christmas. <laughs> you don't know what's tucked away in my past, in my regrets. You don't know the grief that I'm harboring or you don't know the things that play in a movie in my mind over and over again that I wish I could just delete. And you don't know the thoughts that come to me when I close my eyes at night and I can't sleep because those things just keep coming back to me over and over and over again. And you're right, I don't know what's in your baggage, but Jesus does. And the Bible says that your baggage is not enough to hinder his peace. When the angel came to Joseph and told Joseph that his fiance Mary was gonna be the, the mother of the Messiah, here's what he said, Matthew chapter one, verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He's come to bring you forgiveness He's come to bring you relief from regrets. And he chooses to do it through a baby. But why through a baby? Go back to this, Matthew chapter one, verse 23. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The reason he came as a baby 
is so that you would know that he took on human form and human flesh so he could be God with us. Which means that in your pressure and in your fear and in your regrets, he can bring peace. But let's just take this and just expand it all the way. The fourth thing, number four, he can bring you peace in life. In every part of your life, he can bring you peace. Which takes us then to this last verse, but also the one we started with. Luke chapter two, verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts, this, this choir that's an army, this incredible display of heavenly creatures appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God. Remember what we said about that word glory? It has to do with God's presence. That his, that his presence was there. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Have you ever uh, heard the Christmas uh, carol, the song where we sing Gloria in excelsis Deo? And we're like, I don't even know who Chelsea Deo is, right? You're, you're, you think that? That's actually the Latin for glory to God in the highest. She was not the drummer boy's mom, right? This is totally different. So glory to God in the highest heaven, that's the Latin for that. And when we sing that, it's kind of this hymn that the angels sang. And when they sing about glory in the highest heavens, they're talking about God's presence that is there, but the presence of God that also wants to come and be a part of your Christmas this year. Like, where do you need God's presence this year? Where is it in your life that you truly need, not just on your own, but you need God to bring his peace through his presence. Can I tell you, that may mean you say to him, okay, God, I'm no longer in control. Or that you say, God, these are the emotions that I'm walking through right now, and I'm vulnerable, God, but I ask for your peace. It may be before you step into a situation or you have a difficult conversation or you have to make a tough decision that you say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need the glory of your presence to come and help me in this moment. Augustus, if, if, you, if you read the first part of Luke chapter two, which we didn't read today, you would know that the, the ruler, the emperor, the Caesar in that time was a guy named Augustus. And one of the things they would do is in different places, they would form choirs who would come and they would sing worship to Augustus. They would sing songs of praise to the emperor. And I can't help but think that one of the reasons that God showed up to the shepherds, to the shepherds, these guys are out in the middle of nowhere. God shows up to the shepherds with an angelic army choir of heavenly beings was to show Emperor Augustus, you ain't got nothing on this baby. Like this baby has come with all the glory of God and he's come on earth to bring peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now that's great for us, but I want you to sit back and think for a minute about what it meant then. Because one of the things that Emperor Augustus was known for was what was called the Pax Romana, or the Roman peace. And one of the things that they bragged about in that time was that throughout the Roman Empire, there had been a season of peace that people had found. And the angels have come to say one more time, oh, your king's got nothing on this one. Because this king has come 
to bring peace on earth, a peace like you can never know outside of him. He's come to bring peace to your life. So, so you know the rest of the story right from here probably that the shepherds look at each other and go, what just happened? And one of them, his name was probably Bob, said, why don't we go and see if we can find this baby? And they went and they saw the baby. And then after they were there and they worshiped and they told the story and all that, watch what happens. Luke chapter two, verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. That really hit me when I read that, because if you can imagine, these guys are out here, they're watching their sheep, they see the angel, they get the message, they're like, let's check it out. They go to Bethlehem, they probably had to walk kind of from like, kind of, kind of barn to barn, stall to stall, cave to cave, just kind of looking, and they finally get to the one where there's a baby in a manger, and they worship, and they have this life-changing experience. They've seen the angels, blah, blah, all this stuff that we just read about, and then it says they returned, right? They just went right back right back out in the field, same sheep, same Bob, same story. And yet, they stood there and nothing changed, but everything had changed in them. Because what was the pressure and the fear and the regret and the chaos of life had been replaced with this peace. Luke chapter two, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Here's what I believe, that God can bring his heavenly peace into your earthly situation and through his presence and glory in this season, you can find peace. Can I show you one other just kind of fun thing real quick? I've never seen this before. <laughs> that Jesus came to bring on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. He, he came to give us special favor <laughs> and wonderful peace. You ever heard anybody say that? I don't, I don't actually remember when but like accidentally, that just kind of became a signature for me probably about 15 years ago. Because I had people who would come and say, hey, pastor, will you, will you pray for me? And if you've ever heard most Sundays when I'm, when I'm done with my part of the service, I'll, I'll pray for God's special favor and his wonderful peace. And people would come and they say, pastor, would you pray for me? I kind of remember two in particular during that season. Some of you came and said, hey, pastor, will you, will you pray for my marriage? And I would pray for their marriage but also knew in the back of my head, unless something miraculous happens, it's over. And I remember a, a friend who came to me and she said, I've got a cancer diagnosis, will you pray for me? And I just didn't know how to pray because I knew in the natural, unless the miraculous happened, it was over. And I can remember being at home and I, I had a version of the Bible. It, it's it's uh, actually no longer in print. They updated the New Living Translation. But in, in this, this original version of what's called the New Living Translation, I remember I was reading and I, I didn't know how to pray for people. And I got to 2 Timothy chapter one. And right there in the, the second verse, when, when Paul's talking to Timothy and he's blessing them, what he says for them is he asks for God to bring to him 
his special favor and his wonderful peace. And I said, that's what I'll pray. That God will in his favor, no matter what happens in this situation, and we'll pray for healing, we'll pray for restoration, we'll pray. But God, more than anything else, will you bless them with your favor and with your peace? And this Christmas, if this is the most vulnerable time of the year, I want to pray that God will bring his peace to you today. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? And I just simply want to ask, in this room, Auditorium 2, watching online, listening, watching on television, whatever it is, if you can, and today you would say, God, in this season in particular, in my life in particular, I need your peace. Would you just stand right where you are? I don't want to embarrass you. I'm pretty sure you won't be standing alone. But if you would just right now say, God, I need your peace. Would you just stand in this season right now? God, I need your peace in my family, in my job, in my school, in my relationships. God, I need your peace. And then two things I felt like God wanted us to do before we we pray. One is I sense that Spirit wants me to ask that again because it can be real easy for us to say, well, God, I need your peace, but I don't want to stand. And to just say, well, I can just ask for peace when I'm sitting here, but there is something about a physical response that opens up for something that God wants to do. And so if, if, you, if, you're, if you're there and you say, I probably should be standing right now, go ahead right now and just stand. And just say, God, I need your peace. You, you might want to stand with a friend and put an arm around him. You might want to sp- stand with a spouse and take their hand. It just someplace where you say, God, we need your peace right now. And then before any guy on a platform starts saying words, I, I want to encourage you right now, just with your words, with, with your mind, with your spirit, would you just now begin to ask God for the peace that you need? Because the Holy Spirit can do more in these next few moments than any sermon, than any prayer that somebody prays. It's what the Spirit does in our lives. So right now, would you just ask it to bring you peace? Go ahead in your heart, list the places, mention the things. Talk about where it is that you need the Holy Spirit to step in. And this is a prayer you might have to pray again in a week. You you might have to pray it tomorrow or you might have to pray it on Christmas Eve to say, God, right now, would you bring me your peace? Lord, your word tells us over and over and over again that there is shalom, that there is peace that can come to our lives from you. And Lord, as I stand in a room full of friends that are standing, God, we need your peace. Lord, in the midst of the pressure that we are under, would you bring peace? God, in the places where anxiety or depression or fear seems to show up, God, would you give us peace over that fear? Lord, in the places where there's grief or loss, or disappointment, where we need forgiveness or where we're dealing with regret, God, would you bring us peace? 
And Lord, in the midst of the, kind of the chaos of this season, and God, sometimes even just the chaos of our lives, Father, would you bring peace? Peace that knows that you're working something out even if we can't see it. A peace that comes with joy because you know the end of the story. God, a peace that we can't always understand, but it, it goes beyond our understanding. Lord, a peace that's unlike any peace that the, the earth can bring, but a special favor and a wonderful peace that can only come from you. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, my prayer is that as we pray this now, and as we come back to you for peace, maybe every day this week, God, would you surprise us that as our mind is steadfast, trusting in you, that God, you would even blindside us with a peace that goes beyond what we can understand. Lord, thanks that in this season, you remind us that you came to be the Prince of Peace over our families, over our jobs, over our, our school, our physical health and our financial situation. You are, you're the Prince of Peace over the clock, the calendar, and even our own fears. So Father, today, would you fill us with your peace? Lord, send us from here with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Go in his special favor and his wonderful peace. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.